started just me and a um, me and a Ute, and uh, I started that in um, two thousand and six. Um, about six, oh, sorry, about yeah, six weeks before my first child was born. Um, so it was kind of like a sink or swim mentality back then. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Nick Haig, Business Development Manager at Puntus Finance. Haig guides us through his captivating shift from plumbing triumphs to the dynamics of finance and property development. Prepare for an immersive journey of his relentless pursuit of personal and professional excitement. Since stepping back from his thriving plumbing business, Haig has embraced a dynamic role at Punters Finance, passionately navigating the realms of finance, property development and positively influencing lives. I'm a business development manager at Punters Finance, so we're a predominant mortgage broken business um, and I'm kind of, I deal with clients, I deal with developers um, on a day-to-day basis and really enjoying uh, my time here. That sounds really amazing. Well, uh, you're living up in the yeah, Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast. Um, sorry, I'm getting that confused. Sunshine Coast, right? No, Gold Coast. I'm in Brisbane. The office is up the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I travel up the Sunshine Coast a couple of days a week, um, which uh, which is kind of good for a lifestyle. It um, gets me away and lets me um, do a bit of a reset myself. So it's kind of kind of nice to work one way, one day away from from home. Every day for Haig is an exciting journey filled with diverse tasks and opportunities, all fueled by his genuine passion for helping others and adding value to their own property journeys. Typical day would be, um, it's pretty exciting actually and I really enjoy what I do. So it's, it, it's very varied from day to day but generally um, I'm on the phone a lot talking to clients, um, as I said, developers as well. Um, I'll be, I could be managing projects as well. We do, we do have our own projects on the go as well. So I could be doing some project management for that. Um, talking to um, investors, talking to um, other developers, uh, real estate agents, buyers agents, um, anyone that um, will pretty much listen to me and listen to our story and what we have to offer. So, yeah, I, I generally like talking to people and um, I, I like helping people out, and, that, and that's part of our, our ethos and my why, I guess, is to help people in their in their journey and what they're doing. So. If I can add a little bit of value to that at some point, then um, that, that's what I really enjoy to do. So day-to-day looks very different, but um, so it's, it's not really the same each day, but I uh, really enjoy what I'm doing. So so basically, the days that you get to drive out of the house, you go and see clients on the day and uh, visit and so forth, and then the other times, obviously, being your type of role, you still also go to a bit of admin, so you got to get behind a computer and process the things that right. <laughs> Correct. And I, I guess someone put it to me recently is like, like Nick, they said, Nick, you're just a good, you, you've got to join the dots. So you've got people that you're talking to each day and every day and it's kind of like who needs what and how can I help that person get from there to there and do I know someone that could help them get from there to there. So it's kind of, and I like that, I guess I'm a, a, a dot joiner, a, a dot joiner, so to speak. Putting the puzzles together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Nice. The people puzzle. Hey recounts his roots on the south side of Brisbane emphasising the familial bonds, childhood memories and the comforting sense of community that keeps him rooted, proudly calling Brisbane his home. Well, I'm actually Brisbane born and bred, pretty boring actually, south side of Brisbane, went to primary school there, went to high school there, 
um, went overseas for a little while, came back and then um, ended up back on the south side of Brisbane. So that's all I know, but um, it's a great place to live and um, had a really good childhood and brothers and sisters and, and enjoyed growing up there. So um, yeah, kind of no reason to move on. So I'm uh, still here today. So yeah, it's been something that I'm, I'm sort of like, I can relate to that because, you know, I've been Sydney boy all my life. <laughs> I've gone out of Sydney at all and still in the same location since I was a kid. So yeah, once you kind of get used to the place, you just don't want to go, do you? <laughs> exactly. And we've set, you know, we've got family, or our, our children go to school in the area. We've got a lot of good network in the area as well with other family and, and friends. So we met up over the years. So I think it's, it, you know, it's that whole village thing that, you know, you can go down the shop and see something and know and have a chat and it feels like home. So really, really like that. Attending one of the local Brisbane primary schools, Haig reminisces about his school days highlighting the enjoyable aspects of lunchtime and sports, even though he admits that overall, he wasn't a big fan of school. I did grow up in uh, in Brisbane, went to uh, Upper Marikarat Primary School actually. It was a really great school. Um, nothing stands out really about school, but um, I didn't enjoy school a whole lot to be honest. I think most of us said the same. But I did like lunchtime, so I loved going to playing and, and, the, and the sports side of school. But um, yeah, so... That was um, that was uh, primary school, and then high school wasn't wasn't too far down the road either. Um, in the same sort of scenario down there, but um, finished grade twelve and um, just started working from from that point in time, I guess. Living in Brisbane, the sporting hub of Australia, Haig eagerly engaged in a diverse range of sports, seizing every opportunity to be part of the vibrant athletic scene even an unforgettable baseball tour to the United States. I'd play any sport or, you know, do anything really that was outside, cricket, uh, soccer, rugby league, Aussie rules, just whatever was going. Athletics, um, there was, yeah, lots of lots on offer and um, just put my hand up for everything. So I just really enjoyed being outside and had lots and lots of energy. Um, and um, that was one good way to uh, to get rid of it. I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm the same. We did so much at school. Was there any particular sport that you kept up um, all the way up to now or was it just everything that you've kind of enjoyed? So back then it was more team sports. Um, I played a lot of soccer when I was younger, a lot of Aussie, a lot of Aussie rules into my, um, my teenage years as well and really enjoyed that. Uh, and a bit of baseball as well. So really enjoyed baseball and, and still really enjoy watching that now. Yep, yep. Did a um, little tour to, to um, the States with a Brisbane Bandits team back in the day. So we think we went over there for like two weeks and hadn't had about 14 or 15 games in those two weeks. So that was a that was an unbelievable experience that, um, that I'm sure cost my parents a lot of money. But uh, I'm really thankful for that and for those experiences because um, I think they definitely make up who we are today and, you know, and I want to give my kids a similar sort of experiences as well when they come up. So that was, um, yeah, really, really fantastic experience. Haig enthusiastically underscores his newfound passion for running and triathlons, emphasizing the transformative impact these activities weld on his daily life and mental well-being. I'm kind of more into my uh, running at the moment. Oh, nice. And triathlon. So the, um, and I think that just comes with a bit of mental strength and um, just seeing what I can achieve and how far I can push my body. And I really enjoy that. And it's something that I need to do every day for my um, for my mental mental health is, is definitely get out there and pound the pavement, whether it be on a, on a bike or um, or running. So, yeah, something I, I really um, enjoy. 
Yeah, that's great. So are you particularly training for any particular event like a competition or are you just wanting to do a triathlon because it's something that you want, you enjoy doing? I guess I'm, I'm keeping fit for life and um, for, for my everyday. But um, I am actually doing the Noosa try on Sunday up in, uh, up in Noosa. So that's one event that I do every year. Um, we do it. It's called um, Team Smitty. Um, it was a young guy who um, died of a cancer a while back. But um, so there's a big team that goes up there and we raise a lot of money each year for cancer research. That's great. Um, so it's just a really good, um, it's twofold for me. I get to do a lot of training and it gives me something to focus for, but then I can also raise some, raise some funds for obviously a really worthwhile cause. Yeah. Oh, that's a worthwhile cause to do. Definitely. You know, you get both. It's a win-win. You get exercise and also you get to raise money. So that's fun. That's fantastic. Any, any particular, um, you know, I'm not going to hold you to this, but like, you know, your personal best for, for this at this point in time? This is not really, mate. It's just to race against myself and it's just to keep my own uh, mental health in check. And um, it just, it really just drives me and gives me something to get up in the morning. And you now I've got this event to do, so I need to train for it. Um, it just kind of keeps me going. And I'm a, I'm a early morning person anyway, so to lie around in bed doesn't really doesn't really suit me so just to get up and and you know put some runners on and go and and there's no excuses right you you can do you can run anywhere you are in the world or and you like you just need a pair of runners and a pair of shorts and away you go so yep yep rain hail or shine should be out there definitely 100% it's nice when it's a nice when it's sunnier and warm but yeah you can rain hail or shine definitely or if worst comes to worst run on the spot and watch tv <laughs> exactly that's right. There's always something you can do, right? <laughs> Navigating a similar scenario with his own teenage daughter, Haig reflects on the uncertainty of selecting a career path during year 12. Fortunately, a teacher played a pivotal role in providing him with a valuable opportunity that significantly influenced the trajectory of his life. As any 17-year-old knows or doesn't know what they want to do, I was kind of in that world. Well, what am I going to do now? Is this, do I have to pick something now for the rest of my life? Um, and um, I'm just actually going through this whole um, scenario with one of my daughters who's just in grade 12 at the moment. So I'm kind of reliving it through her, which is a little bit weird because um, I don't feel like I'm old enough to have a grade 12er. You don't. <laughs> You're looking pretty well. Thank you, mate. These things happen rather quickly. So um, I'm kind of just dealing with that as, as it comes. But back to um, when I was in grade 12, I... I um, I wasn't um, sold on what I actually wanted to do or to go to university. So uh, I kind of left school and uh, got offered um, a job um, in the electrical industry. Nice. Through one of my teachers um, who thought I might um, suit a trade-based sort of um, sort of business or, 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 you know, career path. So uh, I did. I took that up and um, eventually did an apprenticeship, a four-year electrical apprenticeship. Um, and from that, I worked for a few years and then travelled. Um, and then came back and actually started up my own electrical business, which was always on the cards, um, I think. Um, seeing my bosses and, and what they were doing and, and what they had going on, I really wanted to um, go to that next level and, and really exceed, you know, succeed and, and see how far I could push it to that in that industry for myself. That's fantastic. It's, it's actually a pretty big step, you know, once you get your apprentice. I mean, did you get any experience in the electrical trade industry before you actually ran your own business or you went straight in after you came back? Yeah, I, I, I went overseas and then I came back and worked for probably 12 months. Um, had to do another course, had to upskill a little bit in a business course and uh, electrical contracting course, they call it, um, which was about 12 months um, in my own time that I had to sort of partake in that. 
but it was a goal that I really had and wanted to do and a lot of time to do that but um, very glad that I did and um, it's, it's given us a lot and a lot of freedom and our family um, a lot of choices along the way so for sure yeah I mean running your own business is rewarding but it's also very hard work as well too as we all know it is mate yes Stay tuned for what's coming up after the break where Haig reflects on the enduring life experiences he carries with him from his year-long worldwide trip during his early 20s. I lost money with one of those street merchants, you know, playing some sort of um, game with balls underneath the buckets and I thought, oh, I can definitely go and win that and I lost some money on that. And His story about fearlessly jumping into establishing his own electrical business armed with nothing but sheer determination. I didn't really put too much plan into it but had um, my blinkers on I guess and like well this is what I'm going to do and I don't know any other way so just jumped in and, and, and did it. The pivotal conversation that fueled his passion and spurred him into the exciting world of property development. Went to my account and we just got chatting to her about property and, and whatever else in business and um, she gave me this book. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Before launching his own electrical business, Haig and his girlfriend embarked on an exhilarating year-long around-the-world adventure, reflecting on the valuable life experiences and connections forged during this adventurous chapter. At 22, my then girlfriend and I, we, um, we booked a, a around-the-world holiday, so six stops around the world and um, we packed up our, our bag or our life into, a, into one backpack and um, jumped on a plane and ended up in Europe and we did a little bit of a tour around Europe. For about three months, and then um, uh, went so did a, did a good part of Europe, and then ended up in Edinburgh, where we um, we met some people along the way, and they said, "Oh, come stay with us." So we went into uh, Edinburgh and, and stayed with them. We got some jobs there for, for a few months, and really lived that uh, that lifestyle in Edinburgh while the festival was on, and it was just such a great time to be there. It's a it's a really young sort of vibrant town. I'm not sure if you've been there, but um, lots of little pubs and. It's just a great little spot to be so yeah really enjoyed that and then um, from there we went uh, to the US to Canada we did a bit of travel around the US and then um, went to up to uh, Blackcomb Whistler Blackcomb oh nice and we did a ski season up there so that was amazing yeah that, we made some really good friends up there from Australia and um, still in contact with a lot of those people today actually so in a reflection on his globe trolling holiday Haig shares the remarkable generosity that strangers provided them with. We did a, a three-month bus tour um, and on that bus, we would people would hop on and hop off the bus and there was a few people there that um, had already been travelling and they'd already lived in Edinburgh and knew some other people there. So they said, oh, we'll reach out to these friends of ours. They'll put you up until you can kind of get yourself sorted out. So that was just the kind of the traveller mentality is like, I know these people, they can help you out give them a call, stay there until you get on your feet. So that's what we did and um, it worked out really well. And I, I, that just it just sets you up for life, right? Because those connections and and um, just talking about it now, that that people that help you along the way is, is just, you can't put a price on that, right? Like without that, without having that conversation with it and that, that connection with people, then that just doesn't happen. So 
fast forward to now, like I love making connections with people and that's what I do all day, every day. And I kind of join the dots on myself and for other people, I guess. So Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, I don't know if it's still just, I don't know if you know, does that still kind of happen in, in the travel scene? <laughs> or or it's, I don't know, it's very interesting. I've never heard of, you know, that, that, you're the first I've ever heard that someone would just do that for you, which is very generous. But I guess the question is, is, you know, what could have, could have happened is there could have been other people that you may not have known because they're, they're complete strangers and what could have happened <laughs> could have been something else. I'm just thinking. Yeah, I guess when you're 22 and, you know, what you need a bed to sleep on and you want something where cheap, then you'll, if it's getting offered, then you'll go and have a look at it and check it out. And then if it's right for you, you'll stay. But if not, well, just decline politely and on your way, I guess. So I, I think um, opportunities come up all the time and it, it's it's how you approach it and how you attack those opportunities is to you know where you end up and where you get to so that's very good i love that mindset so i guess it sounds like you went through to travel the world for like 12 months 12 months yeah yeah gosh yeah we're away for 12 months six months europe and then six months in the snow which uh which is absolutely wonderful experience and um had some great days on the snowboard and worked as a lifty so i was outside talking to people again and and making those connections as people got on and off the lift. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. In reflecting on his unforgettable journey, Haig shares the essence of life experiences that can't be taught but must be personally lived, embracing mishaps and adventures that shape personal growth, learning and the unique stories that define who we become. I guess um, having no one else to rely on but essentially yourself um, and obviously my girlfriend at the time um, who, who now is currently my wife. So, it worked out well, um, but um, and just uh, those life experiences that you know you you can you can't get taught that you actually have to go and experience it yourself. Like I lost money with one of those street merchants, you know, playing some sort of um, game with balls underneath the buckets, and I thought, oh, I can definitely go and win that, and I lost some money on that. And you know, it's just those experiences where it's like, oh, I'm such an idiot, why did I go and do that? But without that, without being over there, and you know, having that that experience and I don't learn from it. Yeah. I guess it's just little things like that. And then just when you put yourself in situations, um, you know, even on tube stations or you're out late somewhere at night where it might not be the best, you know, the best idea to be there. So you kind of, I think you have to learn from all those situations. Um, And and I think that's a great way to do it as, you know, and we're quite fortunate that nothing bad happened to us or anything to, but um, it's definitely learning and growing. Yeah, and I guess you take these learning experiences away as an individual, especially at that age, to mature and grow. And you know, especially when <laughs> life comes around, there's so many things that you got to do. You just go, wow, you know, all these experiences can definitely aid and develop. You know, to to be the person that you are now. So it's amazing to be able to hear that kind of story. That's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. And I guess as long as I think Terry, you need to learn from learn from those experiences, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You can keep making the same mistakes, but um, hopefully at some point that you like stop and learn and go, okay, let's not do that again or maybe let's do that a little bit differently. So. In a daring leap of entrepreneurship, Hay began his electrical business in 2006, facing a sink or swim scenario, minimal planning and tight finances. It started just me and a, um, me and a ute and uh, I started that in um, 2006. Um, about six, oh, sorry, about yeah, six weeks before my first child was born. Um, so it was kind of like a sink or swim mentality back then. 
Um, I didn't really put too much plan into it, but had um, my blinkers on, I guess, and like, well, this is what I'm going to do, and I don't know any other way, so I just jumped in and, and, and did it um, a little tight early on. I remember having like $2,000 in the bank account just after we started our business, right before Christmas. Oh, wow. And um, waiting for some, for some invoices to get paid, and that was a little bit stressful, but um, we got through that and uh, just kind of went from strength to strength. But uh, I don't think there's um, any good time to start a business. I think um, if you're going to do it, you just make the decision and um, you just uh, ride every speed bump or, you know, climb every hill that you have to climb to get to where you need to go. So, um, that, and, and then 17 years later, we kind of, I've done a little bit, uh, a little bit on the side of developing wise in the business and was always interested in property. So, uh, yeah, 17 years and then kind of just jumped out of that recently. So During his first tax return as a business owner, Nick serendipitously ventured into the realm of property development, igniting by a chance encounter with a book and a meaningful conversation. It was my very first, uh, I'd, so I'd been in business, it was probably our first tax return that we had to do once we, be, once we were a business. So, we had a family trust and things um, set up. So, we had to go see a different accountant. Went saw my accountant. We just got chatting to her about property and and whatever else in business. And um, she gave me this book, zero to um, three hundred fifty properties in three and a half years. Yeah, 100, zero to one hundred thirty properties in three and a half years. So she gave me that book there and then, and uh, that was kind of the start of my property journey. Um, and I was kind of hooked after that. But uh, just um, talking about that now, going back, my mum did used to try and drag me around to open homes. She used to love going to look at open homes all the time. So she dragged me to one open from one over to the next just to look at all these houses and um, I, I didn't really enjoy it back then but um, I'd probably have to start dragging her to some open homes now too so it's a bit of, bit of payback so uh, but I, I think that definitely you know definitely did um, help with um, that love of property really early on I didn't really realise until um, I got further down the track and definitely started getting into it a little bit more so. So was this during the time when you're running your electrical business as well? When mum dragged you along to have a look at open houses, or was was it when you were a kid? <laughs> no, no, it was a lot. It was a lot, a lot younger. I had no time to do anything but the business then. So um, it, it was younger days when um, I kind of had no choice. I couldn't say no. I had to kind of go. So having personally witnessed the transformative impact of renovating his property, Haig felt inspired to delve into property development. Joining forces with a knowledgeable friend and gathering support from family and friends, they embarked on their first project together. I knew I wanted to get into property as a wealth creation um, tool uh, and had just got into our first property that I'd just renovated as well. So was kind of um, enjoyed doing that, um, not so much the renovating part, but seeing the uplift and seeing the end product, um, which was pretty inspiring and, and knowing that we could do it ourselves and what we could add value to it or how we could add value to a property quite easily. Um, and then I, I guess working around a lot of new homes in the electrical industry and seeing what people were doing and builders and, and then the builder developers, how they were doing with splitting blocks and sliding houses and things, I, I took a really big interest in that. Um, and then from there, I was like, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? So kind of teamed up with a mate of mine who um, was kind of switched on a guy. He was a cabinet maker. Um, between us, we had a lot of, um, lot of family and friends. Um, that were willing to back us a little bit with some capital uh, and had definitely had some good um, contacts in the trade. So we kind of went and found our first splitter at that point and um, split a block and did two built two houses in uh, Mount Grand East back in 2000 and oh, 
11, I think it was. So, yeah, a while ago now. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, I guess your skill set because you're an electrician and your mate was a carpenter, do you think any of those skill sets could have been used in that process or was it a completely different learning or skill set that you had to pick up? I guess we use our own skill sets um, as an extension to developing. Like, So, obviously, I had project management experience. I had some business experience as well. Um, where he had on-site experience. So, um, so we definitely brought those skill sets to what we were doing, but I don't think those skill sets necessarily um, made, or, made or break us, made us or broke us, but um, I think it did, definitely did help. As his electrical business grew and he had a team in place, it allowed him to explore property development as a side venture, fostering a growing passion that eventually intertwined with his expanding business. I was on the tools at the start to actually build the business, um, and as I got people underneath me and apprentices and other tradespeople, then kind of it did free me up a little bit to go and have a look at this, you know, what little, I guess you call a side hustle um, but in the in the property development space. So, And it definitely did grow that that love for it. The more I got into it, the more I loved doing it, the more I could, you know, I could put my own stamp on things. So, uh, And then having builders in my, own, in my pocket, so to speak, and my own tradesmen in, in my pocket, we could go and, you know, potentially – use that labor as well to help us out on our own development so it, it kind of kind of went hand in hand so to speak but um definitely had to get to a business the business to a certain point where i could free myself up to actually have some mindset mind space for other things i.e developing so absolutely and how long do you think that kind of took you to get to that kind of point the first three years of the business um life was probably a bit of a blur like having a child <laughs> it was one young child and a business so it's kind of like having two babies um but the wife is very supportive in that time and and you know we had kids so we could look after them not so we could pawn them off to somebody else to look after so it was kind of like it was a really win-win situation um we always wanted to have a family and um the electrical business gave us that uh the freedom to be able to have that family and for my wife to be able to stay home and look after the kids because that's what she wanted to do um and it gave me the flexibility to to start with property as well just to build that wealth so i had a bit more time at home because as i said those first three years in business were it was um it was it was tough yeah Haig provides insights into his first renovation project skillfully overcoming the unique challenges of transforming a three-bedroom house in Wishart while strategically leveraging the expertise of friends and family for various tasks. There was um, a little bit of pressure, I guess, from myself to get it done as quick as I could. Um, not, because, not for any other reason, but I just wanted to get it sorted. So it was just a little three-bedroom, uh, one-bathroom house in the southside suburb of Wishart. Um, and we, uh, it was, I saw it was big enough to potentially put a um, second bathroom in the uh, main bedroom so making it uh, two bedroom uh, sorry three bedroom two bathroom um, so added a, a little bit of value there and we could, it was easy access underneath the house because it was raised off the ground so I knew that was going to be pretty straightforward um, and it, it worked out fairly well so we, we held that property well, we, we finished the renovation um, we held that property for probably eight to ten years um, and then Someone, someone. I remember someone saying to me that um, you know, good time to get rid of properties if you can use the capital better somewhere else. So at that point in time, we sold that property, took some capital out, and um, went and did something else. That's excellent. So with that particular property, did you need to do much electrical work on that since you're an electrician? No, I didn't really. Um, it was just some new lights and uh, you know, new light here and there. Um, 
uh, new some new lights and things in the bathroom as well. But yeah, not much at all to be honest. It sounds like a chippy and also a plumber was probably the main pe- main people that were involved. Chippy plumber and um, actually got some of my um, mates' uh, parents around. They they were looking for some work at the time, so they came around and painted the inside of the house for me as well. So. That was a win-win because um, I'm not a huge fan of painting, to be honest. At that point in time, quite early on in your journey, you actually were very um, efficient to actually use other people to do the work. Um, you actually got people with expertise and you just basically just managed it and project managed it. And I guess that, that comes from that whole business mindset, right? Well, if I can go out and earn some earn this sort of money or stay home and paint my own house, then you know, how am I leveraging my time better? I'm obviously better off out earning at that point in time in, in the um in my chosen my, my business um, and then get some people into paint so and I learned that really early on like, you know what's the cost of opportunity I could be out there trying to get more business my electrical business to grow that because that was my main focus um, but also wanted to get my house done so I couldn't be in both places at once so yeah to leverage your time um, and I think um, you know the cost of doing business right you just you have to weigh that up and and, and wait take the best road for you and, and for the business and, and what, what's required. So, After reflecting on his initial renovation, Haig highlights the progress he has made by sharing the extensive number of projects he has been involved in since then. I counted up the other day, I've done about 35 developments or 35 builds or renovations. So I've been involved in a deal one way or the other, yeah, in 35 deals. So whether that's money or joint venturing um, or doing them myself, yeah. So yeah, been pretty busy. Nick Hayes' story continues in the next episode of Property Investory where he reflects on a once successful property investment that took a downturn. It's really hard to rent the property out. We had to drop our rents consistently to um, just to get some tenants in there and obviously the quality of tenants kind of went down as well. Um, and then we actually had a, had a tenant pass away in the unit, in one of the units. So just to yeah, top everything off which is a really sad event. He unveils the reasons behind his transition from running an electrical business to entering the property development sector. The electrical business had run its course and um, it definitely served its purpose. I was uh, definitely looking for a change and, and a, a change where I could keep the lifestyle um, for my family um, to, a, you know, to a level where we were comfortable. He shares the advice he would give to his past self at the beginning of his property venture. I definitely have thought recently that I'd definitely hold more property. Um, we've developed and we've sold a lot of property over time. Um, but to keep one or two of those along the way would have been really good. And that's next time on Property Investory.